Tonight, we will be discussing 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So we're going to set it up. I think we may have read this every time since we started this lesson, but we'll set it up with Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Then we'll go into verses 1 through 5, and it's Paul's urgency to send Timothy to learn the state of the Thessalonian church. Our next point will be Paul's instant relief and joy in verses 6 through 10, and Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians in verses 11 through 13. So Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. I want to actually start back with verse 1. I want to start with 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Agalonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crown and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Okay, so at this point, they were staying at the house of Jason, but they rushed them out of the city, and they were were not apprehended. So they left Thessalonians rather abruptly. Thessalonica rather abruptly. Alright, now go over to 1 Thessalonians, starting with verse 1. I'm going to break these apart in segments within verses. So, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left. It, it, sorry, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Paul was so anxious about the Thessalonian Christians that he preferred to be left all alone in Athens. Athens was very religious society, but was very far from God. Very hopeless because they worshipped several gods and they were open to almost any type of god as long as it was kind of inclusive of other gods. They had open debate, they had open things, but they were not of a one singular God. They did not believe in the God of heaven. They believed in about anything else that could be out there. This seems to be the first time Paul had been left alone in such an unsympathetic place to Christians. He's the only Christian in town, the only man who believes in only one God, the only man who cannot create or hold the God he worships with his hand. And, in verse 2, sent Timothy. So, it is reasonable to conclude that immediately after sending word back 
And, and this is also Acts. Go back to Acts, now go to verse 15. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a man from for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. It is reasonable to conclude that immediately after sending word back to Macedonia, Timothy and Silas quickly came to Athens. He then immediately sent Timothy to Thessalonica and Silas to Philippi or Berea, which explains why he was left alone in verse 1. And then our brother Timothy, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Paul describes Timothy in this manner to show his great affection for Timothy. And he sent Timothy to the Thessalonians because he had great affection for them as well. He had so much regard for Timothy that he sent Timothy to this place back to Thessalonica to check on them. He had great knowledge of the scriptures. He was well, well versed. He traveled with Paul everywhere. He was well learned. And he had so much respect for Timothy. And he was trying to describe this in this note to, to them that I have sent Timothy, who I have great respect for. So he's just kind of building up and telling them why I sent Timothy. And it also shows great regard to them that he sent Timothy to them. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. So let's remember that Paul had been run out of Thessalonica and the church was still very young in faith. Paul knew they needed further instruction concerning the faith in order for them to be knowledgeable of God's will. They did not have the scriptures we have read have to read today. And so they were being taught. They were learning directly by instruction, but as a result of Paul being running, run out of town, their instruction was cut short, and Paul had yet been able to return to Thessalonica. Paul also feared, because of the, this situation, he feared that their faith may waver as a result of the persecution. Paul suffering persecution, he's being run out of this town, he's being run out of this town, and then he's been already been run out of Thessalonica, and then now you've left Christians bathed in Christ in Thessalonica, and they're going, he was worried about their persecution as well. So Timothy's responsibility, or one of the responsibilities, was to encourage them to remain steadfast, and these trials were to be expected. Verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. The Thessalonians were aware of Paul's afflictions, and were probably encouraged that an inspired man of God was having afflictions just as they were having afflictions, and maybe worse. Paul was not shaken, and this is an encouragement that they should not be shaken either. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. So they affliction, trials, tribulations should be expected by God's people. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, and Jesus said it to Paul directly in Acts 9.16. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So, he's warned his disciples in John 16. He's warned Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. So these warnings, and these, and Paul had warned them, 
It's kind of a thing that they, they all had been taught early on. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to be persecuted. This is going to happen to you. But at the same time, we go back, he's still worried that because they're so young in the faith that they might be discouraged. But by this it may leave the faith. Paul said in Acts 14.22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Verse 4, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulations. These tribulations should not have come as a surprise. They were warned what would happen if they followed the gospel of Christ. It is not an easy road. There will be struggles, but it is doable. This should not have been a surprise. Let's keep in mind, Paul has had no correspondence with the Thessalonians since his sudden departure. And finishing off that verse, just as it happens, and you know. We warned you. It happened it happens to us. It happened to them, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, right before their eyes in Thessalonica. That's what we read earlier in Acts 17, 5 through 8. So they saw it. They witnessed it firsthand to their teachers, to Paul. They, they witnessed the things that he suffered in Thessalonica themselves. So it's happening to Paul. It's going to happen to you as well. Be ready. Be strong. Verse 5, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, endure it, I sent to know your faith. He has great concern for them as a result of the mob in Thessalonica, as well as the Thessalonian Jewish leaders' influence over the Bereans when Paul was in Berea. He could no longer stand it. He just had to know, so he sent Timothy. Let's remember that for whatever reason, Paul could not come himself. Now, in first, back to in chapter 2, verse 18, Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. And continuing, verse 5, Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you. Satan had been throwing things in the past to hinder Paul's travel. Paul was an inspired man of God with great knowledge of the will of God. The Thessalonians were young in the faith. Could they easily be persuaded to fall away for fear or lack of knowledge be persuaded to another gospel? And our labor might be in vain. Paul feared their faith had been weakened and their previous labors had been for nothing. Not the only time Paul mentions a labor in vain, but in the, to the Philippians he was encouraged by their faith and told them to hold fast. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice 
in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So the Philippians were doing really well, but he wanted them to continue doing well, following the will of God. So they were already, but he did not want his labor to be for nothing. He wanted them to keep, so he continued to encourage and continued to encourage and continued to encourage. And so he was wanting to do the same for for the Thessalonians, but he couldn't get back. So he sent word. Timothy's responsibility was to continue helping them and encourage them to strengthen in their faith so that they'd hold to, to the end. So a lot of times, as in Christianity and through, through my, my, my personal experience, we spend a lot of work and work and work to get people maybe into baptism, but once we get on into the baptism, we don't do work anymore. We're not making sure and we're encouraging their faith. We're not making sure that, the, that they're, they're growing in their faith. And so this is what Paul is trying to make sure that's going on in Philippi. It's what he wants to go on in Thessalonica, that they continue to grow in the faith. We can't stop here at the baptistry. We've got to keep growing beyond that point. And so that would take encouragement. And that's what they were doing and that's what he was worried about because they weren't, weren't able to go to Thessalonica is that it kind of... They got to a point, they stopped, they weren't lowering, they weren't growing, they weren't being encouraged by someone with much more knowledge and much more experience. So that's just what we have to ourselves keep in mind. We need to encourage one another, we need to encourage the new babes in Christ, but not only the new babes, you might have somebody that stalls out at 10 years, you might have somebody that stalls out at 20 years. We need to continue to encourage one another to grow, and that's what Paul is doing. So you, somebody may do well for 10 years, and we kind of expect them to kind of sit back and lay back, but we need to encourage one another, whether it's the preacher or whether it's the children or everyone in between, elders, deacons, everyone kind of needs that uplifting from one another, and that's what Paul is trying to make sure that they continue to do, and you get the point. I'm rambling now. Now, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, in Acts 18.5, Timothy and Silas joined Paul in Corinth. The word now means just now. He was writing of his concern for them, and just now, Timothy returns with a report. Continuing verse 6, And brought us good news of your faith and love. This was good news to Paul. A huge weight was lifted off his shoulders. The tone of this chapter shifts from great anxiety to great joy. And that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. The Jews tried to alienate them from Paul, but they continued to have great affection toward him and talk about him. They may have been just as anxious to get a report about Paul after the trials he suffered since his departure. Just as Paul wanted to see them, they wanted to see him as well. Verse 7, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Timothy was specifically sent to evaluate their faith. Let's not forget a couple of verses back. He was afraid that they had all left the faith as a result of the tempter. Timothy brought back a good report in regards to their faith, which relieved a lot of anxiety off of Paul. Let's not forget that Christ, while on earth, had concern for Peter's faith. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, 
strengthen your brethren. So keeping that in mind of what Jesus said to Peter, we have an apostle, we have a disciple of Christ that we talk about very often, written scripture, things we write today, Christ was concerned for Peter's faith. So Paul, like Christ, is concerned about other people's faith as well, just as we should be concerned about our own faith as well as each other's faith. For now, verse 8, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul had been in great concern for the churches, especially those he could not visit. It It was nerve-wracking not to know, but to have had a poor report would have been devastating for him, because they were the the only physical thing that mattered to him. He refers to um, those he taught as spiritual children in 1 Corinthians 4, 14-15. Beloved and longed for, his joy and crown in Philippians 4, verse 1. Verse 9, for what thanks can we render to God for you? He is very ecstatic about the news brought by Timothy, overjoyed, very thankful. Now, do we get this excited when we see faithful congregations? Do we give thanks or do we just complain about many unfaithful congregations? What do you pray about? When you see a faithful congregation, are you joyed or are you relieved? His attitude, he was very ecstatic. He was overjoyed. And at the same time, he would have been very devastated if the news had come back that they had fallen away from the faith or they were teaching a different gospel or a lot of other things that would would have really devastated him. But everything was good and so he was very excited, he was very joyful for how they are. For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Joy. Pure spiritual joy. Joy before God. Rejoicing before God because they are so happy of the good report from Thessalonica. Paul had suffered so much but he had so much more concern for the faith of others than for the tribulations he suffered knowing how tempting it might have been for others to walk away from the faith in order to no longer suffer the trials and tribulations. Verse 10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your faith and perfect what is lacking in your faith. He was longing to see them now with great joy because of the good report. He is also longing to see them because they are not perfect or complete. Paul is already overjoyed because they have kept the faith. So, what is lacking? Verses one, chapter 1, verses 3 and 8. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. For from you hath sounded forth the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith to God, to Godward, is gone forth, so that we need not to speak anything. This idea is showing the perfect, to perfect the faith, their knowledge is in, incomplete. So what is lacking? So based on the next two chapters, which will be in verse, chapters 4 and chapter 5, is they're lacking in their conduct, their hope, and their mutual relationship in the church needed for further instruction. Now we get into verse 11. 
our uh, last point is the, the prayer for the Thessalonians. Now may our God and our Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Paul prays that God will help them. Satan has successfully used mobs of people and other tactics to hinder them from staying and returning to Thessalonica. This request to God was deferred for five years, but they were able to return to Macedonia in Acts chapter 20, 1 through 3. So Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So he's, he's, he's wanting them to follow his example, the way that he taught them. He loves them. He's praying for them. He's checking on them. And he's also saying that you need to do this for one another. Also, we need to do the same thing, and they need to do the same thing, who are not Christians. We need to love them. Christians have an obligation to teach the world. Jesus died for the world. Not everyone will believe, but everyone needs to be taught, or we need to at least attempt to teach them. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We need to love even those who persecute us. We need to love those who do evil to us. And he's saying, the tax collectors, they're good to one another. The tax collectors had a bad, bad reputation during the time time period, a lot of the tax collectors would take their tax and then they would take extra. That's why people didn't like the tax collectors, because they would take more than what they were supposed to take. And so they networked together, they got along well together, and they were all buddy-buddies together. So they loved each other really well, and they had no problems as long as they stayed together. Now if we, the Brotherhood, if we stay in this building, and we love each other real well, and we love each other real and and all those people out there outside the world, and we don't love them, and they treat us bad, so we treat them bad, we're just like the tax collectors. We're just like the evil people of the world. We can be in this group and stay in this group, and everybody else doesn't like this group, but they like each other. We can't be like this group. We have to worship, edify, encourage one another, but we have to love the world, but we cannot be unequally yoked with the world. We have to be love them, teach them, but we don't have to try to jump into these evil circles, but we need to teach these evil circles. We need to teach them, but we don't need to be one of them and try to be one of them here. 
but we need to love them and teach them. And you're, we're going to be rejected, but for that one person in this group over here that we pull out to be a part of, to be a Christian, to be able to go to heaven, that's, that's the good news. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we have to get out, we have to teach, and we have to study to be able to do those kind of things. Because if we just stay here, and we just love each other and teach each other, and this is where we stay, we're no better than these evil groups. Because they need to learn the truth. And we are their access point to the truth. Verse 13, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. If we do not increase our love toward our brethren and toward all people, we can be found blamable at judgment day. It's one thing to say, I love a person, or I love this group, or I don't love that group, or, I'm sorry, I love this group, but we actually don't show that kind of love by teaching them the gospel, or at least attempting to teach the gospel. If we, teach, if we treat them poorly, we treat them badly, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Our hearts must be abounding with love, described in this prayer, to be unblameable. We must love God, we must love the brethren, and we must, all love, and we must love all mankind. But we must love according to the will of God. Romans 13.10 Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And we have to be real careful when we say love, because the world has a different idea of love. The world has an idea of love as if you disagree with me, you don't love me. You need to accept me exactly how I am. We don't have to, we don't have to accept people exactly as we are. We do not have to say, well, I, it's okay for you to do this. I love you, so it's okay. We don't have that authority. We have that thought we are supposed to love, but we're supposed to teach. And if they are out of line, if, if they are sinning, they're going to say, well, you don't love me because of who I am, of the, what the things I do. They're going to make all these expressions of what love is. Well, if we love our neighbor, if they're doing evil, it is wrong for us to, to be silent about it. Because a lot of people think they're okay because... They have been taught by uh, denominational world or interdenominational world to just come as you are. Everything is just fine. If you believe in God, you're A-OK. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible commands. We, if we're gonna, we need to love. We do not need to wish ill of our neighbor. We do not need to wish something horrible happens to them. If they do us wrong, we need to continue to love them but, we, but our love is by the will of God, not by the will of the world. In conclusion, Paul was very worried about the Thessalonians because of how he left town and unable to return to them to continue to teach them more. He was worried that they may leave the faith because of how they may have been treated in Thessalonica. He preferred to send Timothy to check on them and stay in Athens alone. Paul was overjoyed when he received good news from Timothy that they had kept the faith. Paul prays that they will grow in love toward God, each other, and mankind. Obey the will of God and teach others. We should have the same prayer for each other to grow in love so that we might help each other grow in the faith 
and introduce the faith to those outside the church so that they may have hope of eternal life as we do. That concludes the, the lesson this evening. At this time, we will offer uh, the invitation. And if anyone has a need or a prayer request, please stand as we sing the song that has been selected.